0: Hello and welcome to the Total Entertainment Podcast with me Paul Collis and today we're going to be taking a look at Haim who are performing live at the Cardiff Motorpoint Arena so today's show is a medium-sized show It's only five and a half trucks in size so that's not too big really and let's have a look at the stage so you have the line arrays which are already built and they are 12 deep and 2 wide you have the uh, smaller line array set a little bit back point 45 degrees out for the uh, surround sound effect and those are six high and two wide at the front of the stage you have eight front fills and three sets of bass bins. so one set either side of the stage stage left and stage right which are three high by three wide and then you have a uh, bank of subs in the middle of the stage which are uh, one high and or wide. Lighting wise, you have you have three lighting bars, so you have Fun House 1 which is there on his own, and that is a load of mold phases and a load of LED profile units. I'm not sure which make. No washes on those front on that front bar. On LX1 and LX2, you've got a selection of LED profiles and LED washers. And that's all I can see at present, but they're all fully working because they just flashed them all out. And they just powered up the sound system, started firing out some, no- uh, some noise from the uh, PA. There is currently a metal frame structure at the back of the stage, which is all in white uh white, well, white scaff structure and I don't know if that's going to be skinned or if there's going to be uh, units rigged into those but we shall see soon enough and stage left and stage right you have a LED screen each which I would assume would be for close-ups because there is a camera position on the front of house mixer position we'll be back after this So not only does Master X Media have a series of podcasts, but we also have a series of books. The first book is actually two books, it's volume one and volume two, of a tribute to working at sea. The best fiction is based on truth. This is a compilation of short stories, rants and poems loosely based on the author's experience at working on a cruise ship. Some of these stories are based on actual events but highly exaggerated whilst other stories are pure fiction. The title of the book, A Tribute To is fitting with the tone of the book because like a tribute act it is a blatant altered reality where you can enjoy it knowing it's not quite the truth. There are things with alcoholism which used to be highly prevalent within workers in the cruise industry as well as stories with a sexual nature. So sit down, relax and enjoy the ride of A Tribute to Working at Sea Volumes 1 and 2 All of these books are available on Amazon and are available in paperback and on Kindle and the links for all these books are in the description below And we're back, so Haim which translates to life in Hebrew and it's stylized in all caps is an american rock band based in los angeles and comprising of three sisters sd on bass guitar and vocals danielle on lead vocals guitar and drums and elena haim on guitars keyboards and vocals in addition to their primary instruments each is proficient in several others The group's pop sound on their studio work stands in contrast to the more rock-based music at their live shows. The sisters grew up in a musical family and began playing instruments from an early age in the cover band Rockinheim, fronted by their parents Motti and Donna and the two elder sisters, Esty and Danielle, performed brief with the pop group Violet Girls in 2005, releasing a few songs on soundtrack and compilation albums under that name. In 2007, they formed Haim with younger sister Alana, but did not seriously consider it a professional career for some years. After Danielle became a successful touring guitarist, first with Jenny Lewis and later with Julian Casablancas, Haim reformed as a full-time operation in 2012. The group's first release, Forever, an EP released as a limited time download, combined with positive reception of, of the South by Southwest festival, led to a deal with Polydor Records and a management deal with Jay-Z's Rock Nation group in mid-2012. The band began to record material for their first album, Days Are Gone, in 2013, in sessions between touring dates, including appearances at the Glastonbury festival. The album charted in the top 10 in several countries including number one spot in the UK and the group have won several best of awards by the end of 2013. The group was nominated for Best New Artist at the 57th Annual Grammy Awards, their second album, Something To Tell You, was released in July 2017. Their third album, entitled Women In Music Part 3, was released in June 2020. Haynes music has generally been categorised as soft rock and pop rock, with significant influences RB. R&B. Critics have frequently compared their sound to Fleetwood Mac, which the group has acknowledged as an influence, though they are screamish about the comparison. The band has also cited Janie Mitchell, Prince, Alia, TRC, Destiny's Child and Spice Girls as influences. The group has rejected the girl band label, preferring to be represented as musicians on their individual merits. Alana stated, When people call us a girl band, I take it as an insult. Being a girl in a band shouldn't be a thing. All three sisters are proficient on more than one instrument. SD plays both guitar and bass. Danielle plays guitar and drums, and Alana plays guitar, keyboards and percussion. For live performances, ST plays bass, Danielle plays lead guitar and sings lead vocals, and Alana plays rhythm guitar along with keyboards and percussion. All three sisters contribute to the three-part vocal harmony. As lead singer, Danielle's contralto vocals have been described as rich and earthy. Alina Crockett of the Daily Orange has described the three members as altos, observing that they rarely seem beyond this range. Girls' live sound differs from that in the studio. Writing for NME, Hazel Sheffield said that days are gone may confuse those won over by their rocking live shows, according to demonstrate the group's vocal pop style, while, while the group plays typical rock material such as Fleetwood Mac's Oh Well in concert. The group's background in wedding bands from their from their days as Rockingham has led them to cover many different songs live and for radio sessions, including Miley Cyrus' Wrecking Cheryl Sheryl Crow's Strong Enough, and the strokes I'll, I'll Try Anything Once. An early version of You Only Live Once, SD acts as, a, as the group's MC on stage, announcing most of the songs. Many of her on-stage antics, such as her blunt and coarse bands with the audience, and her facial expressions, known as the bass face, whilst playing, are staples of the band's live shows, and to a less extent the band's public image. Critical reception to Haim has mostly been positive. Pop Matters' Matt James wrote, "It will be hard to truly dislike Haim. They are eminently likable, albeit slightly kinky trio, whose story already bears the frisson of legend." Writing for the Guardian, Alexis Petridis praised the band's songwriting abilities, saying it has a certain kind of glossy, definite, depthless pop perfection down pat. The band's sound has been described as new folk meets 90s r and and music that sounds like it was written on a lakeside retreat attended by Steve Nicks, John Whitey and Unvogue. In her survey of pop music in 2013, Observer critic kt empire praised the band for using the vector of harmonies to splice r b with 1970 soft rock they laid waste to a herd of ghastly old hobby horses about guitar bands being unmarketable and record sales only being tied to women's state of undress in 2013 the independent was more ambivalent about the band so their discography are days gone by in 2013 something to tell you in 2017 and women in music part 3 in 2020 now we've heard a bit about Haim let's uh, get on to their uh, support act we'll be back after this A tribute to men that hate their jobs is a brutal but witty portrayal of working a job you hate in this podcast there are themes explored in which happy workers simply wouldn't understand unless they listen to these cautionary tales from a man that lost his ideal job because of the global pandemic be warned that this podcast contains strong offensive language that some listeners may not want to hear. In addition, this podcast is definitely not recommended for younger audiences. The links for this is in the description below. And we're back. So supporting Haim is Georgia and Georgia Rose Harriet Barnes was born on the 6th of February 1990, known within the industry as Georgia, and is an English record producer, songwriter, singer, rapper and drama. The daughter of Leftfield co-founder Neil Barnes, Georgia began her her music career as a drama for the artists such as Quez and Kay Tempest. She began her career as a singer and record producer with the release of her debut solo album, Georgia in 2015. Her second studio album, Seeking Thrills, was released in January 2020. Georgia is signed to label Domino in 2018. She released the song, Started Out. In 2019, she performed at the Glastonbury Festival, won the Association of Independent Musics One to Watch Award in association with BBC Music Introducing. Vice have described her sound as euphoric late-night dance, whilst her 2015 self-titled album was compared to Miss Yella and and Maya. Talking about her 2019 single, About Work to Dance Floor, with Sean Tyler from Future Mag Music, Georgia said, I made this song after a weekend in Berlin, entirely dancing in a few clubs, and I realised how important a dance floor is to people to give them the certain feel from their everyday activities. Her album Seeking Thrills* was shortlisted for the Mercury Prize in 2020. Georgia Rose Harriet Barnes was born in London. Her father is Neil Barnes, the co-founder and keyboardist of English electronic music group Leftfield. As a child, Georgia was a footballer who had played in youth squads associated with Queen's Park Rangers WFC and Arsenal WFC. She She left football after the death of her coach. When she described things as getting too intense. Barnes attended the Brit School in the London Borough of Croydon, of course she did, where she began playing the drums professionally. There's not much else I can find on Georgia so we'll take a look at her part of the show very shortly but before we even do that we'll update you with how the build is going. We'll be back after this. The War of Carnarvon Crescent by Paul Collis from Master X Major When a neighbourhood dispute explodes into an all out war. So Chaz Bruford, his wife Ellie, and their young daughter Aurora move into Carnarvon Crescent. They soon become aware of the troublesome next door neighbour who makes a point of living in her house for over 50 years. From the moment Chaz arrives and began to unload, his new neighbour takes an instant dislike into him and she goes out of her way to make Chaz and his family feel unwelcome. The aminosity quickly spirals out of control from both parties and the mutual respect gets lowered right into the gutter from the outset. Chaz comes to realise that this is not just any war, it is a neighbourhood war to end all wars. This book is available to buy on Amazon and this book is available on hardbook, paperback and Kindle. This book is pure fiction and should not be used as a user manual. And we're back so the whole show is pretty much all set up now. The mojo is in position on both the mixer and the front of the stage. There's a three meter pit today because Normally it should be a 1.5 meter, but they got some ginormous confetti cannons, and because of the height of the roof, they need to have enough angle to get out. So yes, three meter gap between the stage and the front of the pit. Now at the sides of the stage, stage left and stage right, on booms you have booms that are three lights high. So you've got bottom and middle being at Source 4 Pars, which I believe are CP62s, if I remember my lens sets correctly and the lights on top I think they are Cantata Fresnel's uh, 1Ks with their barn doors on each of these boom bases they've placed an LED strobe flood and along the back of on the back of the uh, white scaffolding they've got a load of the strobe floods pointing upwards although they're uh, tiltable as well so they can come out into the audience or shine up onto the scaffold which I'll get onto now so the scaffold has also got some of these LED strips on there oh yeah i forgot each of those booms have got an led strip on as well but the white scaffolding at regular intervals on both horizontal and vertical planes they've got those strips and when they're all switched on they light up and they reflect off the white scaffolding immensely it is such an inventive design and also on top of the bar on LX3, which the scaffold's connected to, they've also got LED zip strips as well, uh, pointing directly down onto the scaffold to give it even more different effects as well. So they've got three ways of lighting that scaffolding up, and each three way so far looks very, very good. All the pro- all the LED profiles that are on LX1 and 2, as well as front of house 1 as well. They, they all point outwards at the backlight in the uh, stage. I did say that there were washes earlier on, but no, there wa- there aren't actually any washes that are on those bars. They, all you got wash wise are the LED flood and strobes, which in cahoots with the LED profiles, it looks pretty, pretty good. And as I said earlier on, there is a t- uh, there was an empty bar, which I assumed they're going to put some drapes on, and there's definitely some drapes on that bar now and i've got a funny feeling as i said earlier on that they're going to use those drapes to cover something up and that something's going to be the white scaffold because why would you want to give away your secret which is how they're going to like that scaffold up from normal appearances you would think what the hell is that but once it's all lit up properly as in in full show mode it does look pretty pretty good I'm looking forward to seeing this lighting design which is done on a shoestring budget but I believe that the lighting designer and engineer are lighting this up in such a way it is definitely less is more and I am so looking forward to a well-programmed less is more show when we come back after this we'll go straight into the reviews of the show Master X Media presents Lord of the Memes Bad Dog, Farmer Frank's Filthy Fucking Farm and Bonnie Bouncing Baby Bastards. All three of these books are meme books and they come up with some pretty brutal and hilarious memes which are definitely not for children or the easily offended. These are ideal gifts for Secret Santa, Father's Day or even birthday presents for the fun loving man so why not take a chance and make his day when he gets to read a lot of the memes meme book all three books are available on Kindle hardback and paperback on Amazon and we're back so Georgia came out and was essentially a one-person band her music was mainly on click track where her vocals were mixed into the basic track and then she was also live playing her drums and her drum kit i have to say was a standing up drum kit it's the first time i've actually seen this done live and what's a standing up drum kit well all the drums are at a standing height all the tons, snares and even the cymbals are uh, at maximum extension on your arm so uh, so you're not hurting your back and they're also angled in this in a specific way so as to not strain your back as well the lighting was very basic for her part of the show because being a support artist you don't get most of the lighting rig she mainly had lx1 and 2's profiles and that was near enough it the uh, profiles were good they're done in a way where they were constantly making shapes in the background with the either the gobos or the positions of the lights when they uh, catch the smoke and they're all focused uh, down center stage where george's drum riser was and also, sat behind her, she had a unique piece of lighting, which was a hexagon of uh, LED strips. The same LED strips that Haim had all over her part of the set, and those would flash as specials for emphasising musical points. So they'd go in time with the music, go in time with the kick drum or the snare drum, depending on what part of the song it was. And it looks like, it looks good, actually. Her uh, colours were mainly pastely colours, so pastely kind of off uh, amber and you had a off purple and a very mild purple pink and then you also had the tungsten look to it as well so it very simple but yet effective now sound wise the live vocals and her drum kit were mixed quite perfectly and was always in balance and mix wise Yeah, it did seem to go, but you could tell she was drumming on top of a click track. It did have that feeling to me, and the bass was a bit overpowering. But, could it have been knocked down a little bit? Yeah, it could have been. But that's just the preference of the sound engineer and what he's been told to do. So, I've never heard of Georgia until today, and nor did I recognise any of her songs. But she did play them well. And as supports go georgia had a great reception from the audience where she had loads of applause after each song people were singing along to the songs in places as well as dancing and bopping so obviously the people that were there knew who she was and if they're singing and bopping and dancing to the support in such a lively way then she definitely hasn't failed at her job of being the warm-up and the support she did her job really well and diligently and to a very high standard her vocal and drumming ability was superb it's just a pity that she that most of her songs were on track it would have been great to see a backing band to her uh, playing drums and singing at the same time but when you're on tour and you're supporting you don't always have that option to have a full band behind you And the highlight of the set which was her last number was george's version of running up that hill by kate bush and as soon as it started and the main beat dropped you had a massive massive round of applause from the audience without all singing in and uh, screaming and cheering and it was great to see it really was it was really good to see stuff like that and it's very coincidentally that this version of running up the hill was out i don't think it was planned obviously it wasn't planned because why why make a big deal of that that particular song well it went to number one uh, as soon as it was released on the soundtrack of stranger things series 4 it just happened that way you couldn't have asked for a better fluke i mean that fluke has probably uh, boosted up people uh, listen to her work on YouTube and Spotify because when they type in running up that hill I wouldn't be surprised that George's version has come up in that list as well. We'll be back after this. The name's Vert, Percival Reginald Vert and I run the PR Vert Detective Agency. The year is 2055 and the police have been defunded. So if you need a police investigation, the police will charge you a 1,000 big ones a day. Because of this, the government introduced the PI Act, where the private investigators can undercut the police so justice can become affordable. These are my case files. Percival Vert is no hero. He is a low-life scumbag and the full embodiment of how not to be a man. He cheats his way into getting work, he objectifies women, and is quite a disgusting human being, if you can even call him that. Gumshoe is intended to poke fun at everyone that takes life too seriously and directly towel whips the modern day puritans in the balls because they've forgotten the fact that when something isn't funny in real life it's probably hilarious in the land of fiction come and listen to Gumshoe every Wednesday the links are in the description below and we're back so Hame, as the house lights went down and the lead singer and guitar Lead singer and main guitarist walked out into her starting position, which was down center stage. She started to begin to play a silo on her guitar, followed by some vocals, and then her spotlight went out. Then downstage left came her sister, and then she started to sing and play part of her uh, instrument on, which was a bass guitar on solo as a solo, and then. She did a little bit, and her spotlight went out. And then the third sister come out downstage right, did a little bit of drumming on, the, on a drum, on just a uh, tom-tom that was just stu- that was just stood there on a stand on its own. She's saying did a bit of drumming, and her solo went off. Her spotlight went off, and then they all started up together, and the lights went and the stage was flooded with light as they all began to perform the first song together lighting wise there are lots of static shapes in the air and what do i mean by static shapes well rather than using gobos all the time in the lights as in the profile led units they uh, made shapes in the air with the uh, light beams and and the, the smoke, so they have done it pretty old school, simple and highly effective. And there's a lot of symmetry within that within that old school lighting design, because whoever uh, whoever because the lady who was doing the lights has to me got taught the legit way of doing stuff and. in every design aspect into this she wasn't over the top with massive movements of the lights she moved the lights when they needed to move because at the end of the day a moving light is there to be able to be positioned in any way you want they don't necessarily have to be moving all the time that is just one of many functions of those particular units and every shape that she drew in the air with those lights worked really well she'd have a load of frequent She'd also have a lot of chases done in a, in a very good, in very good patterns. So nothing, nothing generic, going from one side to the other. Uh, they'd flash in a sequence that she created. Uh, yeah, you know, so you'd have lights flicking on and off uh, in a certain pattern, and it looks really, really good. Actually, it really looked good, along with the uh, booms, given the uh, side lighting and that also that tungsten glow just gave such a, such a lovely sepia effect something that you don't really see these days because everyone just goes solidly led and yeah, yes leds are good they're environmentally friendly and they're bright and punchy but sometimes you want something that looks old school because <laughs> if you know what you're doing it looks twice as good as an led unit i have to say and there was good use of the LED strobe, and fl- there was very good use of the LED strobe flood units, which are standing on the bases of all the booms that surround in the stage. So, and they were uh, focused in such a way that they killed all the shadow on stage, which was the intention, I, I would suppose. I, I guess because there were, you know, it was a massive flood of color. Nothing overpowering though. It wasn't overpowered, but it killed all the shadows just to give a nice wash of colour. And it looked good. It really did look good. Now, I was right about the drapes at the back of the stage earlier on, because they weren't pulled at the start of the set. They were pulled after the fourth song, I believe. And they were lit up by the LED floods as well. But as soon as they got pulled aside, they revealed the white scaff which was lit with the with the down lights from the LED zip patterns they were lit up with, with the LED strips lit, which looked to be randomly positioned to the untrained eye but they were positioned in such a way that they would entirely light up all the scaff in a nice soft glow without putting any dark spots on the scaff bars and it illuminated it very very well you also had the up light from the LED flood strobes and it was such a good effect very simple but highly effective and massive use of imagination and trusting in your design skills to be able to pull off something like that and it just looked really good it was a nice touch a low budget touch but you wouldn't think that it was a low budget touch the way how it was programmed because you could have a massive lighting rig that's all singing and dancing all the best units but not know how to use it and it will look oh garb- and it'll look garbage where you could have some old school lights basic lights and because you know how to use them they look a million times better than what most people do with a massive rig and this light designer had it i mean she really really had it now sound wise you had a really good nice loud mix th- throughout the whole show though i did feel that there was a tad too much bass in the main mix which did drown out some of the vocals here and there which was a shame but it was good you could hear every aspect of the of the uh, song so it did balance out to a degree but you lost the clarity on that i don't know if that was intentional or just because the uh, sound engineer is just uh, slightly deaf which I'm not insulting them, a lot of sound engineers are deaf to certain frequencies because they're in loud environments all the time, and they do injure their ears. And when you get a sound engineer that is deaf like that, I've got to call it noise boy deaf, because it's not being deaf deaf, but noise boy deaf, you miss out certain frequencies and because you can't hear them anymore or hear them in the way that you normally would so sometimes they would have a bit more bass a little bit more mid or even top end as well it all depends on what damage you have to your ears and i do feel like this sound engineer he was good i may add I mean it there was no no there was no feedback and it was a good mix with the exception as I said of a bit too much bass if you've got a bit of damage to your hearing and as I said as a lot of sound engineers do they don't even realize it and that's what I think's happened there it's just a little bit too bassy because the sound engineers got damaged ears which because he's still working he wasn't terrible he was actually really good he's just too bassy turn it down a little bit. On the gains that's what you need to do adjust the gains the gain on the uh, on the bass so you have to do simple but if you can't hear it you can't hear it so clarity wise I would say it was an 18 karat gold standard because it still had gold standard as I said at one point during the show there was some good patter sessions within the song within the show but one bit that I thought was a bit unnecessarily long and that was the mobile phone skit where they're doing a bit of patter and then a phone would ring with the old nokia theme no one would answer it and they carry on in one of the sisters got annoyed about the phone and then the other sister one of the other sisters pulled out the phone yada 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 make a gag out of it and talk to the person on the other end which was obviously a pre-record and they just and the singers just changed the location because it's a generic piece of uh, theatre where when they're describing where they are they just changed the town and that's it but it doesn't matter Uh, I mean the crowd loved it it was an audience pleaser but for me I thought it was a bit too long-winded now stage presence though the girls at home they were oozing with charisma and stage presence and the audience fed off of it and band Haim, they fed off the audience feeding off of them so it's a nice mutual feeding oh god that sounds terrible <laughs> but no yeah uh, you, you probably got guess the point that they were mutually exclusive to each other the band loved feeding off the audience and the audience fed off the band and it it was a perfect balance I have to say and I do feel that after hearing Haim for the first time which was uh, during the show i do feel they definitely have lots more to offer the music industry i also feel that a rare that they are a rare talent and their songs their their sound is very unique to them it can't be replicated can't be copied or aped or mimicked because everyone be like oh you're trying to be like home because they sound that unique you can't you couldn't copy it you couldn't replicate it and if you did try and carve and copy it people would be like yeah, no, you, you're trying to be Haim, and that's how I feel about it, which is a really good thing because if they've got a unique sound and they don't sound like anyone else, then they're highly memorable. And during the show, there was a fair amount of audience participation, where uh, one of the sisters of Haim would walk down from the stage into the pit, sing directly to audience members, give them a hug and whatnot, and then audience members would sing along to their songs because let's face it I may not know any Haim songs but they all did and they loved singing along to every single one of those songs as well there's lots of singing lots of dancing definitely a lot of bopping and the audience really really loved that show and if you if you weren't a Haim fan they'd get you hooked. because I actually wanted to uh, I actually went onto Spotify after the show on my way home and decided it was time to uh, add some Haim songs into my personal library and also I do feel for Haim fans that didn't get to see the show because they missed out on an excellent show they were awesome they were vibrant they could oh damn they could sing and they definitely could play their own instruments and for me if you can sing and play your own instruments and have audience love you then you've done a really good job thank you for listening to today's podcast if you like today's content please hit like subscribe and share and if you haven't already done so why not check out more content from MusterX x media on our website that is www.musterexmedia.info and i shall catch you next time bye for now